listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I am Large William. Across the border for me is not Samurai, but I am joined by two other uh, fellow compatriots of his. One from the great state of Hawaii. Yo. And that, of course, if you didn't recognize his yo, is the Death Rattler himself, yep. Aaron. Hello, everybody. And, uh, and of, uh, someone else who's no stranger to our show, and he'll be back in a few weeks doing the boomerang style. Uh, that is, of course, Jake McLarge Huge. Uh, good morning, everybody. It's it's very early, but I've been listening to my favorite band, Siamese Royalty, and I am <laughs> I'm peppy. I'm awake. And I'm uh, I'm ready to rock this shit. Right. Wicked. And uh, he's no stranger to the Death Rattle Movie Club, um, nope. and he's no stranger to our boards, uh, as it were. Um, but for those that maybe aren't familiar with him. Uh, fellow Canadian, had to, had to keep the Can-Am connection uh, balanced out, keep the skills balanced out. Uh, we have our good friend Chris. Can I say your last name on the air, Chris? Do it. Chris <laughs> Davies Rowan, CDR. Ahoy, hoy. It's still a yeah. evening for me. Partying right. hard. And uh, looking forward to this. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on at such short notice. Um for those that don't, actually, we have three time zones across four people right now, so this is insane. Uh, yes, it's two thirty a.m. where I'm at, and I'm I'm well past three sheets. So, okay. what time is it, Aaron? You are at eleven thirty p.m. Twelve thirty. Daylight savings. We talked about that. Um, for, I don't know if I mentioned it, but we don't have Sammy because Sammy is sick. Sammy has, I think he said he has blisters the size of dimes on his well, tonsils. Right? Okay. You could have just stopped there. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a little under the weather um, right now. He's sleeping more than he's awake. So we hope he gets better very soon, and uh, we should have him back next week uh, for a great episode that we're doing with another special guest. So... Um, this week we, you know, we were kind of jammed up as far as what we could record, um, because I, I had three hours basically, uh, and I had to pick two movies I had in hand. So, uh, I went with two films that, um, pretty varied in their content. Um, one, <laughs> <laughs> one was, uh, I want to say a 1980 Sammo Hung directed film, The Victim, and, uh, starring Beardy himself and Sammo. And uh, the other, the other one of of a different quality, um, directed by the, the thespian known as Donald Farmer. Uh, he of Vampire Cop fame, which if you haven't seen, is is pretty incredible uh, in its own right. And it's um, Body Shop, aka Deadly Memories, with William Smith and Robert Zadar. Yeah. And so. the fact that these are the two movies you had. Like, ready to go. I think that's why we're such good friends. Yeah, I mean, that's it, right? I mean, you know, that's, that's what it is, I, you know, so, yeah. Some memories can be fatal. 
You're supposed to say that with a southern accent. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, that's where Rick Rick's, Rick's going to uh, pipe in himself saying it and uh, in post. So <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, so what we do, as you guys know, uh, we are going to get into what we've been watching. So I will defer to Chris since he's uh, never been on the show. What have you been watching lately, Chris? Uh, I've been doing a, a Dr. Zom level of movie watching in the last few days. Uh, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll keep it short. Uh, the first one and the most prominent of the list is uh, L.A. Street Fighters. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And I posted on the board saying that it was almost better than Miami Connection, which I, I think I can go back on now after thinking about it a bit. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have the same same level of hilarity as that movie, but but goddamn, is if it isn't a good time. That that is a fun fun movie. Yeah. And uh, my favorite thing about those movies is the uh, the post ADR work, like. <sighs> It's insane. Like the the amount of ADR in those movies, it's just layer upon layer of garbled nonsense, constantly. <laughs> just throughout the movie, there's always a guy mumbling something about nothing, and it's great. And then there's there's dudes beating each other up, and none of it makes sense. Um, uh, after that, I watched. Actually, I did most of my movie watching the last couple of days because my brother-in-law has been here, and I've been dropping a lot of uh, GGTMC sort of science on him. So Which? we woke up this morning very hungover. We watched Dark of the Sun, oh, a recent nice. favorite. Figured he loved. a little hair on his chest, eh? Yeah, exactly. It's it's bursting out of his shirt. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Robin Williams-esque levels. Yes. Uh, I like to think that uh, that uh, he looks more like a cross between John Hamm and Mel Gibson. I agree with the Mel Gibson assessment, but his eyes are very hammy. Mm. Oh, I, I uh, actually met your I actually met your your brother-in-law, not um, not Rod Taylor, but uh, <laughs> with the body hair factor that is. He does have a lot of body hair, and he's got a good a long. Conish chin beard. <laughs> uh, after that, he'd never seen either of the Hellboy movies, so we double team those. Uh, I like Hellboy one; it's okay. It's not. It's definitely probably one of the my least favorite uh, movies. But Hellboy two is one of my favorite Del Toro movies. I think that movie is awesome. Um, hold I'm the opposite. I love the first Hellboy, but I'm not a huge fan of the second one. Yeah, I love the effects. I just love that he goes full practical as much as possible on Hellboy 2, and yeah. he lays on the Lovecraft thick as well, and it's, the, the comedy elements work a bit better, I think, in that one, too. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. And then uh, the last of the bunch, he hadn't uh, seen The Thing since he was a kid, Ooh. so he gray on him, and we got to see the Doc's nose ring, and Full yeah, <laughs> the unnoticed Doc's nose ring. <laughs> didn't didn't was it you and I that talked about that? Because I watched it on Blue for the first time. I don't know a year ago, maybe less than a year now. And I, same thing, I was blown away that I'd never noticed his nose ring until I watched the Blu-ray. I remember you drop, dropping that reference on the boards, and we all <laughs> that's that's progressive for '82, man. Yeah, big time. 
Uh, what about you, Jakey? Uh, well, it's it's been gearing up for finals week for myself, so I'm not able to watch much. But I did meet up with uh, Freddie and Kelly over at NOTLP, and we uh, went down. And we saw Pulp Fiction in theaters. Oh, nice! Yeah, they're doing like the you know the ramp up to Django, and I think the only thing they've been showing are uh, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and. We went to see Pulp Fiction. It was in a packed theater. I mean, it wasn't a huge theater, but, you know, it was a ruckus crowd, and it was pretty neat because, you know, they, well, he, he, it had three hand selected trailers from the master Quentin Tarantino, um, <laughs> played before the movie, and I don't, like, maybe in his weird brain, these are, like, you know, direct influences on Pulp Fiction, but, or I don't know what his reasoning for these three movies, but he chose uh, Machine Gun McCain, The Killer, and Scarface. Um, wow. Like the Al Pacino Scarface. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. oh, okay, well, that's fun. But, um, you know, it's Pulp Fiction. It's a great movie. I love it. It's a, it's a movie that, you know, no matter how much I love, and, you know, it's obviously a, a massively influential movie, but it's hard for me to, like, lump it in with, you know, quote-unquote great movies, like, how do I place it along, you know, other movies that I consider, you know, all-time greats or whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's an odd duck of a movie, maybe because it's, you know, ostensibly a, an anthology movie, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of denigrating, but, you know, that's... I don't know, it, it's, it's an odd duck of a movie, but it's still super fun. I was a little bummed out with the with the theater, because, you know, the people were, you know, laughing and having fun and being raucous, but it's kind of sad where Christopher Walken's come to, because as soon as he showed up on screen, it might as well have been, you know, William Shatner up there. Everybody just laughed at every single thing he said. (laughs) You know? It's just like, oh, man, that's what it's come to, you know? Like, to stay relevant, he's gotten more cartoonish, and that's how people see him, and it's kind of it seems to have, uh, I mean, it's a funny scene, but, you know, the beginning is, you know, played pretty straight, but it's gotten to the point where he's kind of a, a bit of a clown. Inter- yeah, and in the, the inter- in internet age, I think, hasn't yeah. helped things, certainly, in that regard. Well, you always have to wonder if, yeah, you always have to wonder if when people say that they love Christopher Walken, if they're actually considering him, you know, the Christopher Walken that we think of, or right, yeah. or the Balls of Fury Christopher Walker. Or the, or the, I put my pant leg or my pants on one leg at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. So I mean, oh, balls of fury, awful. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, just pathetic. Fuck. <laughs> oh, what would you expect? I mean, <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like to picture I'm reading that script and going, yeah. I can do something with this. This is good. Not great. (laughs) This is this is a totally valid option for me in my life as a man. As a man wanting a cottage. (laughs) I took I took the script and I stuck it up my ass. (laughs) They also have the trailer for his his like. There's that infamous picture that popped up on the internet of him and Al Pacino like making the weirdest facial expression, like Al Pacino looking like he, like, fell into a larger man's suit. And, <laughs> like, that... Yeah, I saw that. Like, yeah. they stumped 
out of the old folks' home in a fucking a stupor of ins- almost insanity, and yeah. there's orderlies chasing them up the street. Well, you know what the connection with those two is, right? Was that? No. I heard the interview that Tarantino did on Howard Stern, and at least I'm pretty sure it was Pacino. Pacino's dad and Tarantino's dad um, do shitty movies together. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Silver Foxes. Yeah, the Silver Foxes. So I think the thing of it is, it's like neither one of them is really, they're estranged from their fathers, but they're trying to piggyback despite the estrangement. So mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's where that came from. But Yikes. Yeah, so that's all I've been, uh, that's the only thing I saw this week. Oh, and uh, on the show, I've been um, reviewing uh, Kirk Wong movies, and last movie I watched, Flash Feature Kung Fu, is one of the most bug shit movies I've ever seen in my life, so people should seek that out it's 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 amazing it's got yeah, it, I, oh. I snagged that on your reco jake good good i will good. be t- i will be too because i you you really laid it down when you said <laughs> i think on your board you said this is the most easily the most insane movie i've ever covered on my show and i thought well i'm taking notice <laughs> yeah it's not like like it's a different kind of insane obviously it doesn't have you know like you know uh uh, fetuses and a stew of <laughs> boiling blood or anything like that, but it's yeah. just so all like okay. Um, the the main character he he gets punished for coming home late, and so his master has him train, and he goes out to the woods, and it's like those uh, badmovies.org reviews, like senseless act of violence against you know a lampshade or whatever. <laughs> like this dude hauls ass on these fucking dead trees with an axe. And some of them are just snapping in half. Some of them are barely breaking. It's like, <laughs> it's it's amazing. You've got Elvis Tui like showing up in a blue speedo, just like vamping it up. It's a, it's oh, it's something. Any t- anytime Asians indulge in Nazi iconography, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> exactly. So people check that nice. out. But that's all I got. Excellent. And what about you, Ad? Uh, I had a light week. I only watched four movies. Um, let's see. I watched Barricade, which is a WWE-produced horror movie uh, starring the guy from Will and Grace. Uh, he plays, uh, like, this widowed father who takes his two kids to stay up in a cabin uh, in a mountain for Christmas. Um, and they get snowed in, and basically a bunch of weird shit starts happening. It's kind of like it's like Diet the Shining, basically. Oh, wow. Um, it's not very good. It has its moments. Um, the score is actually pretty good, but uh, there's this reveal at the end that kind of explains everything, and it's like, really? That's where you're going to go with this? And it just totally like, killed the rest of the movie. Um, and then next I watched uh, a horror movie from this year called The Apparition, which makes uh, Barricade look like The Godfather Part 2. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. My God. Like, how does this shit get picked up and you know get a wide release you know what i mean you know you know you know how it does horror audiences yeah with low with low demands for their genre yeah uh. <laughs> but uh yeah this was terrible at least the lead actress in it uh is pretty gorgeous um i was like oh man i gotta see more of what she's in you know what i mean so i looked her up and she's in all of the twilight movies so yeah oh. so much for that <laughs> there you go yeah uh, I watched Alps, which is the new movie Ooh. from the guy who directed Dogtooth. Mm. Nice. Um, 
it was disappointing. I love Dogtooth, but this one felt like uh, the director was trying too hard to be weird and quirky because, uh, I mean, it definitely feels like it exists in the same universe as Dogtooth, but at least in Dogtooth, the strange behavior was, like, justified because of what the movie was about. Uh, you know, it made sense, whereas in this one, it's like the characters from Dogtooth escaped, you know, their home and tried to pursue, like, this weird almost escort service type thing in the real world. Hmm. Um, I mean, if you like Dogtooth, it's worth checking out. I wouldn't talk anyone out of seeing it, but uh, I don't know. Just personally, for myself, I didn't like it. Um, yeah, that's a disappointment, as you and I yeah. were talking about, because Dogtooth is really high up my list. So. Yeah, same here. Um, and then finally, I watched <clears throat> uh, I Way Away, Never Sorry, which Ooh, is nice. Uh, okay. A documentary about this Chinese activist named Ai Weiwei. Uh, who's, who's never sorry, coincidentally. Yeah, never sorry. <laughs> not at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he uses, like, Twitter and blogs and, like, social media to basically uh, make a statement and lash out against, um, you know, the oppressive Chinese government. Uh, I had high hopes for this one, and it is a well-put-together look at um, Ai Weiwei. <laughs> But when it was all said and done, like, it didn't really sell me on the guy. Um, I got a good idea based on the documentary of, you know, what he's about and what he stands for. But, like, the documentary as a whole just didn't move me in any way. Um, and he's also an artist, so there's, like, a lot of pretentious art stuff in here as well. And uh, actually, speaking of pretentious, one of the things that turned me off about it was that it's made very clear that Ai Weiwei kind of, buys into his own, like, celebrity status. Oh. Mm. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's not going to be... I was hoping for, um, you know, for this one to be, like, in my top 30 of the year. You know, I was, I'm kind of fishing at this point for good stuff, but uh, it's not going to be in my top 30. But it's, it's on Instant Watch if anyone wants to, wants to check it out. So, but, uh, yeah, that's it, for, that's it for me. I'm going to be cramming. That's when I've... You know, next month I start cram and yeah, uh, yeah. well for you know so that's one that I, I have my eye on too as far as tacos go. It's yeah. I think it's a delight box for people in Toronto. It's it's at the light box I think now or very soon. So well, bummer, but you know we'll see. I'm still going to do with those two anyway. It'll be interesting to see when we compare and contrast notes on those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's it. So it's my turn. Now it's my turn. Um, light week. Um, this time of year is just, it's crazy, man, you know, with Christmas and kids and big Italian families. I got shit, you know, uh, always on the go. But um, I did three films. Uh, I did Rise of the Guardians in the theater last week with the kids. Um, I, it was pretty good for what it was. You know, it was it was interesting. Or I was glad to see an African-American director get a push like that with a big... Um, a big kids film, but I don't think the films performed financially the way they would have liked it to. So it's unfortunate because I think it's a for a kids film, it's pretty good. The mythology is pretty interesting, um, and it kind of made me think that the the genre of kids film tends to be, by and large, one of the more fresh or original genres as far as big films go, which is kind of ironic because you would think it would be very derivative. And I guess in some ways with themes and stuff it is, but at least with characters and mythology, like if you look at, you know, The Incredibles and Twister, those are all original properties. And 
you compare that to you know sequels and adaptations and shit like that with the rest of sort of big tentpole films, and it's it's kind of staggering how original kids' films seem. That's a DreamWorks movie, right? I believe so. Yes. Their stuff always feels like it's sort of just dangling off the Pixar coattails. Yeah. Like it's 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 just about there, but they always go for the lower level humor and yes. and plot stuff and. I never feel like any sort of. I mean, I don't have kids or anything, so I I don't I don't even really like CG stuff. But I'll always check out the Pixar stuff. But their stuff, I I never feel any motivation to check out. I think that's pretty accurate to say that it um it's kind of right there. It never quite goes over into greatness. And this one's not a great film, but I give it a lot of points for the mythology and and trying to develop these characters. What it, people that don't know, it's about. Basically, the Guardians are Santa, the Easter Bunny, the Sandman, um, the Tooth Fairy, and basically the Boogeyman is trying to kind of take over the world. And, you know, they team up, and, and Santa's Russian, um, and he's got, like, he's got a tie, he's got, like, you know, it's a riff. And actually, it's kind of a cool riff on uh, on the Night of the Hunter, because he's got a tattoo on one arm that says naughty and one that says nice on the other arm. And, <laughs> nice. Um, there, there was a couple kind of cinematic things I remember seeing in the film thinking... Okay, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, but it's if you have kids, it's worth a watch. I, w- I wouldn't say that it transcends its genre if you don't have kids. But, you know, it, it was good enough. Uh, so I went from good kids film to dog shit kids film. Um, every week, my kids and I usually, well, at least once a week, we, we watch mo- uh, a movie as we have dinner. Um, and my, it was William's turn to pick. And he's had a pretty good track record, but, man, he picked a fucking... Stinker this time. It was called The Nutcrackers. And uh, it's on Netflix Instant. And I thought it was going to be a Christmas one, which I was like, okay, cool. You know, it's Christmas time. I want to watch festive stuff. And um, it wasn't even festive. It was this really shitty, kind of late 90s looking Mexican kids' film. Um, You know, computer, like CG. And it was just. Oh, man, it was just not engaging. It was fucking terrible, man. Really low-brow humor for, you know, which which you expect with a kid's film, but, oh, it was awful, man. I, it was a slog, so. Sounds like something that could potentially have, like, an S&M horror bent to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to cough. Um, but then I finished my week on a high note. I watched uh, Prince of the City, so... Nice, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, another strong, you know, it was one I'd been meaning. I'd been circling around for a couple of years because Zom, you know, beats off over that one quite regularly, and Davy <laughs> Macmore. And I know you like it, Chris. And yeah, it's one. I, I you know, a big Lamet guy. So um, I figured, and that, you know, that crew, that crew from that movie is is a, it, the same crew from American Gangster, pretty much. I thought you were going to say from the Nutcrackers, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, and that's cool, man, because American Gangsters is a great film that I think a lot of people dismiss because of Denzel and Russell Crowe, um, you know, but it is a very good film. But Princess City is fantastic. It's, it, you know, three hours long, pretty much. Um, Treat Williams is amazing in it. Everyone's great in it. Um, but Treat, you know, whatever happened to Treat, it's a shame. I think most of us, myself included, kind of think of him as body, or not body heat, um, uh, dead, is it Dead Heat? Yeah. Yeah. Dead Heat, the one Episcopal. Yeah, it's a buddy cop where they're they're dead and they get resurrected, <laughs> which is a which is a yeah, fun yeah. film in its own right, certainly. But 
you know, it's uh, we've I think we forget the treat that once upon a time was kind of pegged to be something great, but it was weird watching it. He reminded me of an '80s, more heavily eyebrowed um, Channing Tatum in terms of his look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With a bit of a flatter nose, but it's it's a really fantastic film. If you like cop films, you like uh, corruption and all that stuff. It's it's one I think people should really check out. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> I- Actually, when I whenever I think of Treat Williams, I think of him in uh, Things to Know in Denver when you're dead. Okay. He's a fucking dookie taster. He's the guy that <laughs> ate shit in prison. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I only saw that once. I don't remember him, and it was quite some time ago. He's he's basically the crazy guy who he's he's holed up in his apartment, covered in fucking like camo face paint, and he's got a shotgun. It's it's worth looking at again just because yeah. it's completely insane. I will that one. See, I, I kind of you know what I blend together that one and Red Rock West. Not yeah, those, right, right. Those two kind of blur together in my mind because of the time frame and stuff. But uh, yeah, so short week. But you know, Aaron and I both, and maybe other people for that matter. But I know we're both cramming um, older stuff before December thirty first because that's kind of the cutoff for you know the list uh, of you know first time watches that. You know, see how they make the grade, basically how they stack up. So mm-hmm. we'll see. I want to cram in Colonel Blimp and a few other films before then. So that's a cramming. That's a cramming. No, it's airtight. <laughs> Pack but, it uh, all in. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's it. We're gonna take a break, and we. What do you guys want to cover first? Doesn't matter. I, sh- fuck me. I don't know, man. <laughs> all right, let's, well, let's, let's do let's do the Zadar nonsense first. Okay. <laughs> All right. Nonsense. We, Easy now. Come on. Easy now. We'll be right back with uh, with the Zadar and Body Shop. <laughs> People of Eternia, I stand before the great eye of the Potosphere, chosen by destiny by the powers of Lipson. <laughs> this inevitable moment will transpire before your eyes, even as He-Man himself bears witness to it. Now I, Baby Skeletor, am master of the action attraction. Action Attraction, your home for all things action. To find out more, visit MetalMikey.Lipson.com or search for Action Attraction in iTunes. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're going to get into some uh, some rid- some Zadar ridiculousness here. Uh, night? No, not even nineteen. Two thousand twos. 
Deadly Dem- Deadly Demory Deadly Memories, aka Body Shop. Medley and all Despite the fact that it looks like it was shot in 1992. Oh, yeah. absolutely! It absolutely has a 1992 feel. The land that time forgot, Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'll uh, also synopsize this. Uh, okay, this you song. you have to read it how it's spelled. I'll just say that. <laughs> read it how it's spelled. Okay, yeah, you'll see. Two years after a woman is killed in a fatal car crash, the trio of teenagers responsible for her death are suddenly being murdered, one by one. Each of them faces a horrible, bizarre death, apparently devised by the dead woman's husband, a deranged two-truck driver. (laughs) Whoops. Oopsie, Daisy. Oopsie. Yeah, and at the beginning it says, two years after a woman is killed <laughs> yeah yeah oh nice <laughs> excellent so um yeah we talked about this one what was enticing for me and one of the reasons i had this one was it was smith and zadar together which you know they've they've crossed streams a few times but it was kind of a a bizarre low rent sleazy uh revenge film with some gore in it so that was kind of the hook but let's see if it lived up. oh we should say as we said in the opening donald farmer director of Vampire Cop, Savage Vengeance, and a myriad of other uh, peaches. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. So, so AD, you're up first, brother. Let's hear what you got on uh, on the body shop. So, (laughs) let me uh, crack my knuckles here. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. So, basically, the elevator pitch for this movie would be that this is a redneck slasher starring Robert Zadar and William Smith. (laughs) Yeah. Correct. Uh, And uh, as Chris was saying, uh, this is an early 2000s movie, but it looks like it was shot like in the early to mid 90s. And I think, in all seriousness, though, it could have been. It could be one of those things where it sat on the shelf. They needed to get you know, ten more thousand together or something stupid like that. It mm-hmm. could have been that case, but either way, it definitely looks behind the times. Yeah, and it even sounds like a '90s movie, like with the heavy-handed like synth score. Oh, some of it, some of it sounds like leftover uh, Richard Band music from like an master <laughs> movie. <laughs> but yeah, to make up for the uh, at times bad synth score, we get some awesome. Christian flavored country western songs playing throughout. Oh. Yeah, it's it's uh, well, I think it's because you know they they're really trying to set up, and I almost feel like they're going for the uh, the walking tall angle, like the you know the God fearing man who's in the south and yeah, you know, but yeah, fucking yeah, this kind of Christiany country music, and you know I I don't you know people's beliefs are cool by me, but it was just an interesting choice for a sleazy low-rent uh, revenge film. Uh-huh. The the country music element reminded me a lot of the, uh, um, uh, what the fuck is that movie called? The one with William Smith and uh, Wingshauser, the karaoke cowboy cult movie. Oh, that's so good. Uh, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Chris The Brown one where he's Pooch. training his poodle and the fucking black belt. <laughs> oh, man. What's it called now? Goodness. It's, um... Oh, Chris Brown on Cool Cat's yelling at, at he's gonna yell at his. Uh, <laughs> I've seen his it like four this. times this year too. I've it's, watched it a bunch of times. It's such a great vanity project because the guy that made it was a lawyer who took some money yeah, and yeah. made the film. With oh, I can't remember. So you know much what? Karaoke, so much country karaoke in that. I'll, movie. I'll look. I'll look it up as a as a D keeps rolling here. <laughs> 
So, yeah, basically how everything is set up um, is with the car crash. Like, there's these... There's, like, this young punk, like, driving his car, his muscle car, like, through the country with these two hot chicks. And, uh, well, first they stop at, like, a convenience store, and Robert Zadar works there. He's the and, owner, uh, yeah. Yeah, and they try to steal some beer, and, like, Zadar <laughs> intervenes. And uh, he basically gets fucked up, and, like, the punk and, like, <laughs> the two chicks take off, and then they get in, they cause a car accident, which kind of, uh, you know, gets the ball rolling as far as, like, setting everything up. Now that being said, and Zadar Zadar rocking a nice uh, sweatpants <laughs> oh <my> ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you and did you notice? I don't know if you guys noticed. Zadar decides as his store, he is going to have stock Zima on the shelves. <laughs> yeah. <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, what method on that one? Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> No, that being said, uh, I've never seen someone lose control and get into as bad as a wreck as the characters <laughs> in this movie did while while driving what looks like 30 miles per hour. <laughs> I didn't even know anyone else was in the car with them. There's like no yeah. other shots. All yeah. they show is close-ups of that the main dude's face. And I was like, there was other people in there with them when they crashed. Well, no, they oh, yeah. they showed his the daughter. daughter. His daughter yeah, they mother, showed the yeah. daughter for a second. Okay, but, for a second. But as far as I know, they didn't show his wife at all. No, no. yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe it was just the daughter they kept showing. That's why when when they cut to the like the heavens. Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The lead actor, uh, Philip Newman, who also produced this movie, by the way, with William, or William Smith, Robert Zadar, and uh, the goofball that plays Bill L- Ray. Yeah, L- <laughs> with the LP something is his name. LP something the third. They all produced this movie. <laughs> anyway, Philip Newman, this dude can't act for shit. Like, <laughs> I oh know. But I, I love his. I love his his acting when he when his condition kicks in i'll get i'll get to that dude i'll get to that trust trust oh, and believe yeah that <laughs> epileptic eye twitch was fucking solid <laughs> but uh at the same time his bad acting is like one of the things i loved about this movie like trying to watch him act was entertaining like in and of itself and what's great is that um he actually tries to show a lot of range <laughs> Trash. Yeah, trash. Uh, yeah, and then my favorite example of his acting um, is when he gets those really bad headaches, like what you guys were talking about, and he starts to go cross-eyed a little. <laughs> oh, he went I to the know. Undertaker school of acting. <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, Newman, he only did like four movies, and this was the last thing he ever did. So, it's, Strangely it's, enough, all of those movies featured some sort of element of craziness. Like, if you look at the synopses for all of them, they're all, like, uh, stars a crazy nurse who kills some folks, or stars a dude who goes crazy and stabs some people, or, <laughs> like, they're all just about crazy people. Yes. He, uh, one of them, isn't one of them called, like, Demented or Dementium or, <laughs> like, something like that? Yeah. John DeHart's Road to Nowhere, a.k.a. Uh, Get, yeah. Get Even which is worth everyone checking out. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, this was this was Newman's swan song. He went out on a high note for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not even I'm not even going to lie. I love this movie and uh, <laughs> I knew I was I was going to love it during the scene after the car crash when uh, 
Art, the lead character, dies in the accident and meets his wife in heaven. <laughs> Go back, Art. Take care of our baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take care of our baby, Art. Yeah, and she's basically telling him, no, it's not your time yet. You need to go back. You need to go back. Isn't she even wearing, like, a flowing white gown at that point? Yeah. And he's still in his fucking plaid shirt knocking on Heaven's door? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, I was confused during that part because, like we were saying, like, it didn't show his wife in the car at all. So I was like, who the fuck is she? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's per- that's <laughs> exactly what I thought, too. I was like, wait, was she already dead? Is he meeting well, her? And was one man's flowing gown is another man's granny nighty. That <laughs> shit was fucking... That was a frock, if I ever saw it. <laughs> and uh, the director of this, uh, he's done a lot of softcore porn. And oh, it, def- yeah. it definitely shows in this movie. It's not advertised as like a softcore porn movie, but uh, there's some really good like gratuitous nudity in this, and like the way it's shot and scored like during the nude scenes, it's like straight out of a Skin of Max movie. So actually, okay. one of my notes is: Have you guys ever seen any of those uh, mid '90s Lady Chatterley movies? No. Uh-huh. Uh, like they used to show on Will. You might know we used to have a channel called Super Bravo? Channel, which was kind of oh, yeah. like our. Uh, our Showtime or whatever, and there was a whole series of later Lady Chatterley movies where the woman would sit on a man's lap and sort of half-ass writhe around while harp music played, and <laughs> they they would fog the lens and all that kind of business. It, this reminded me of that of my 13-year-old self, sort of half masturbating to shitty soft porn. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's there's a sweet mullet at Art's wife's funeral. Oh, yeah. guy, and he's even he's even wearing a denim shirt too. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah like nobody's dressed like like they're at a funeral. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they're just wearing, they're just wearing jeans and shit. Well, that was probably denim shirts. <laughs> I think Chris, uh, Chris. I think Donald Farmer was. He went to the um, the Desica Italian neo realist school of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah and uh anyway art he runs an auto shop which is why uh the original title of this movie is called body shop which i actually kind of like because it, it makes sense you know and it's kind of yeah it's a play on words but uh you know at one point this douchey ignorant young guy from out of town shows up to get his car fixed <laughs> the and, uh, huh the yuppie yeah yeah and he constantly calls uh art jethro which is awesome. <laughs> now, this character theoretically should be obnoxious, but yet he's uh, he's like another element of this movie that I loved because when he talked, he constantly sounded like he was throwing a temper tantrum like a little kid. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I like that about him, but mostly because the actor playing him sucked, and like you know, like everyone else in the movie can't act for shit. Well, and he's not even—he's not even looking art in the eyes when he's yelling at him. He's sort of yelling at his chest, which yeah. makes me think that they put like cue cards on his chest. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Lost my place here. Oh. But uh, anyway, yeah. Just getting back to this guy, I started to wonder, um, like, if he doesn't mean to sound douchey and he just talks like that because he can't control it. Like, uh, maybe he's a really nice guy, but he just talks weird. Like, I can just picture him, like, helping this old lady with her groceries and being like, have a nice day, you old bitch. Gosh. 
<laughs> yeah, he's super spazzy. Yeah. He's one of those characters, because it's a lower budget film, the people that, that at least they perceive to have any semblance of, of skill in acting get the meaty parts like your Art Garys and so forth. But this guy, yeah, it's just... I love in movies like this where someone like that, for no, like with no provocation between the writing and their performance, it's just, Jesus. Like he comes in yelling at uh, yeah. he's, the body. He's, a cunt. Right? he's a cunt from word one. He's yeah. fucking just on edge because he lives in the city and the city's fast-paced and it <laughs> yeah. makes you a fucking asshole. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking like Wall Street, you know. Mm-hmm. So basically how everything plays out, um, without really spoiling anything, although it probably won't even matter if I spoil this movie, but we don't do that on the GGTMC, so no, uh, sir. I'll, try, I'll try to be uh, as secretive as possible about certain things. Um, how it plays out is that Art uh, starts to go crazy and, I guess, loses faith. Like, you have the whole religious thing to kind of contrast, like, his, his uh, you know, turn, I guess. And um, it kind of it coincides with like the people who killed his wife in the car accident, like suddenly suddenly showing back up in town. Mm-hmm. Which is which is funny because there's very much um, a last house on the left esque turn of fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah. And uh, as the well worded synopsis put it, they start to get killed one by one, but uh, before each person <laughs> dies, like they become a focus of the film for a short while. And uh, the I- idea is that some of them, I won't say who, are like changed people, and they're regretful of what they did. Um, I mean, I don't know how much time went by after the accident. I think they say two, two years. Two years. Yeah, but apparently it was long enough for one of the chicks to come face to face with Robert Zadar and not recognize him. <laughs> it's like, it's like, how can you not recognize a man that looks like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> No. Speaking of Zadar, he's another character who shows up, and uh, you know, once it fast forwards a couple of years or whatever, and uh, it's revealed that uh, he wants to get revenge of his own, and his motive is that they fucked up his face. <laughs> oh my god, that is easily poor. the most awkwardly funny scene in the whole fucking movie. <laughs> when, yeah, when he points to his chin and he says, "They did this to me," they did and this you're like, to me. "They gave you a giant face." <laughs> <laughs> I think he perceives that by saying the most uncanny experience ever happened to me. (laughs) They infected me with the mumps. (laughs) Well, I think they also, I think they tried to to play off. He has the scar on his face. And I think they were trying to get a little bit of a production value out of his scar on his face. (laughs) It's like, that's like, oh man, I felt bad for the guy at that point. It's like, Jesus, like, you know. But. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he was supposed to be scarred, but, like, I mean, he pretty much looked exactly the same as he did before he got attacked. <laughs> well, yeah, all so, he did was he, he took a little bit of a beating. That was It wasn't even, like, with a with a bat or anything. Like, they just kind of punched him out a bit, didn't they? Yeah, but, I think it was, a, it was a pipe or something. Oh, yeah, there's oh, a pipe. There's a pipe, yeah, that's right. I think it was a piece of plastic PVC. It's like ABS or PVC, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like Chris was saying, he's basically pointing to his chin and he's like, yeah. I think this looks pretty. <laughs> oh, <I> God. <laughs> um, uh, as I said, we have some awesome nudity in this. Um, I looked both the actresses up, of course. And oh, yeah. uh, one of them, the blonde she posts for Playboy, and uh, the other, 
uh, the brunette chick. She starred in a bunch of softcore movies. Um, Rachel Robbins. Mm-hmm. Um, problem. Yeah. Anyway, there's like an extended shower scene scene involving the brunette, and while this was going on, a certain character I won't say who uh, has his ear up against the door, and he's listening to her shower. <laughs> That's so oh. good. <laughs> just, he's he's so enticed by the sound of the water bouncing <laughs> off her her boobies oh. and her awkward. Uh, one of my notes is that shower scenes in these movies are always the least sexy thing because you can yeah. you can feel the crew around them watching it happen <laughs> and then awkwardly just sort of you know putting the soap places they probably wouldn't generally do it and it's so <laughs> stiff <laughs> yeah and it's great cuz i think art even has like he's kung fu gripping like a bottle of wine while he listens <laughs> yeah. to the fucking door <laughs> Just, just incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Art Gary. He loves to listen to a woman in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> Almost as much as he loves his spoon collection. Oh my god, that decorative <laughs> teaspoon co- fucking, collection? Yeah. He's eating beans while back. talking to his dead wife's picture. <laughs> oh my god. I, I watch that. I want I want someone to Photoshop a picture of Peter Goldson into his wife's little picture frame. Oh yeah. Oh god. That's great. That seems well, amazing. And to go back to my love of uh, bad ADR, when when they drive by her on the highway and her car's broken down, uh, oh, please stop, uh, my car broke. <laughs> She's got like that weird Quaker frock on with like the denim over <laughs> thing, <laughs> like. Yeah, she's like, you know, she's very conservatively dressed, but it's not going to stop her from, you know, laying in bed topless in their stranger's house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Traipsing around without me Sleeping naked in a stranger's house. (laughs) 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 Beautiful. uh, Anyway, moving on. um, There's like this little plot thread of someone. um, Excuse me. I don't remember her role exactly, like social services maybe or something like that. Something (laughs) like that. Like, threatening to take Art's daughter away because he's not caring for her, apparently. And uh, Art, he responds angrily to this, of course, and he keeps saying, Nowhere. You ain't taking nowhere. her nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's whatever. Yeah, you ain't taking her nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> uh, another strange character who shows up is a guy named, appropriately enough, uh, Billy Ray, oh, who we mentioned earlier. Now he's a he's a friend of Arts who basically comes to the shop and asks for a job. But the first thing this guy does is uh, wait for Art to leave and sit. And he goes and sits at uh at his daughter's bedside and <laughs> talk to her while she's in a coma. Yeah. But he does it in like this really pervy way. Like oh, yeah, uh, I thought I thought that was going to turn into a Buck likes a likes to fuck. That's my exact. <laughs> That's why exactly. <laughs> it was like, hey, rem- hey, remember when we used to do this and do that? And then, like, it cuts to like this cheesy ass flashback scene of like them holding hands and walking through a field by like a stream or something. Yeah, by yeah. a pond. A pond, yeah. <laughs> and then that's it. Like, it, it never cuts back to him. It's like the whole time I'm wondering, like, what happened? You know what I mean? He he actually to paint a picture. That that's of course L. P. Brown the uh, third, um, who produced the film, stars in this film. Um, who looks a little bit like Antonio Sabato Sr. and has a penchant for sleeveless shirts like Antonio Sabato Sr. <laughs> denim and sleeveless shirts. Denim sleeveless. And he and L.P. Brown III is Helmer of such films as The Thief and the Stripper. 
shit. Yeah, I got to see that one. Wow. Which is kind of surprising because I'm actually a huge fan of LP the first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are two more LP Browns. That's both scary and awesome at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> We can only hope that they were also uh, in the movie business. I'm pretty sure, sure. LP the first hung out with like Drakey Stainer back in the day. <laughs> yeah, stitching it back. <laughs> now, uh, Will posted a screenshot in the Facebook group of uh, someone holding a, a rocket launcher. Oh. Now, I'm not I'm not going to talk too much about this scene um, and what happens, but I'll just say that there's a random. <laughs> A random trampoline setup in a rock. Oh. <laughs> oh, that is that's my favorite scene of the movie because so much of it is complete nonsense. <laughs> Just like yeah, yeah, he's throwing his beer bottle around like a dickhead. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. because. To be fair, Zadar is really only in the movie for about five minutes, and about forty-five seconds of the movie is him peeking from behind a rock and then running away. Yep, this is what this is when we get the peek for no reason. Yeah, and it's like that thing, like that uh, that was big on the internet with the cat kind of peeking up. It's like that's Zadar. Yeah, he's just slow peering up behind this rock. Yeah, and he, yeah, he watches that dickhead kind of. Who's, who's circling? They're kind of circling around, splashing his beer around. Uh, the girl, the girl who's and this, yeah, this is the most ridiculous thing in the film. In a film full, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to ridiculous things. Who, who, who brought it out there? Yeah, who brings a fucking trampoline to the bottom of a rock quarry? Obviously, the dude who's almost busting it the entire time he's watching or bouncing on. Yeah. Oh but that, my god. And that broad, that broad's got like she's doing this really unsexy thing where she keeps her bra on, but she just brings her nipples out above yeah. the bra line. Yeah, so you get that weird sort of wrinkly effect. On yeah. How how did he pitch it to her? Like, you know, I got this trampoline. I got a trampoline. <laughs> I got a surprise. Got that blue guard around the edges, so you might fall through the spring region. <laughs> Just stay in the middle. Well, what's great too is we we have to paint the picture. She's wearing black leather pants and high heels with her nips out on the trampoline, <sighs> which takes skill. I mean, we gotta. I mean, she, you know, she's probably the most technically adept person in the entire movie, if for yeah. reasons unrelated to acting and filmmaking altogether. You know, yeah, she you might be the most talented person. You gotta lighten your bounce when you're when you're wearing heels on the on the uh, tramp. Yeah, good balance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's there's a death by drill to the head scene that is actually pretty decent looking. It um, is. Yeah. It's it's not quite on the levels of like the drill death City. in City of the Living City Dead. Of the Living Dead. Yeah, but, but it's good for this film, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For a movie like this, it actually looks pretty good. Other than the fact that you can see that the actor is so scared of what they're doing. <laughs> he doesn't look like he's in agony. He looks like he's just waiting for it to end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's an awesome crash zoom on a shotgun towards the end of this movie. Oh, yeah. and as far as I can remember, it's the only crash zoom in the movie, which is pretty random. <laughs> yeah. It totally is. Um, and my last note is, I never thought I'd see someone get painted to death. Oh, man. Yeah, that, Thank you, that, Deadly Memories, for that. Yeah, and that, you know, that that spray-painted, this girl's naked, spray, spray <laughs> tied down, spray-painted to death, that, Jake, 
and, and you guys that reminded me of like a, 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 like a cat three hong kong flourish oh yeah like, you know you'd see that in like a fucking cat three film or something it's like a mix of so random collar <laughs> yeah yeah it, and it's so weird because up to that point we don't have any deaths there's a lot of religious overtones in the movie and then it just gets really kind of sleazy and bizarre out of nowhere and that pretty much set yeah. the tone for the rest of the movie in terms of the the violence because up to that i was like oh this is just gonna be you know really kind of you know misguided violence and stuff like that but no it's pretty because the because the girl's wearing a shirt and she's still wearing her panties but the killer obviously strips her nude then paints the fuck out of her and she just you know dies from painting i don't know maybe the fumes i don't fucking know yeah i don't know but uh, which one of you guys wants to jump in next um i'll pop in real quick uh the first note i have is that you know the homeboy is like the long lost gecko brother you know <laughs> rolling up on poor zadar trying to steal some cheap ass beer and <laughs> shit out of him um and it dawned on me when they were doing that whole like uh collision course that it just seemed like they got a helicopter and they were going to film the shit out of those two cars because they spent a good two yeah. minutes building that up. I mean, yeah, they do. Yeah, that's some serious they like do. building of anticipation. You know, you can tell they watched a lot of Hitchcock. <laughs> um, I love that the mother after the funeral, she's like a true fire and brimstone kind of lady because like immediately after the funeral service it's not about comfort like it's about comfort that god will kill the shit out of those people yeah yeah it, it's comfort in that she brings up bible verses about vengeance yeah yeah <laughs> which is kind yeah. of funny because the whole uh kicking off point for the movie feels like divine intervention it feels like god is kind of in on it like okay i want these women or these people to be murdered because they all just spring up at the same time even though it's a small yeah. town so I, I like that. I like that God's kind of evil in this movie. Um, yeah, it is Old Testament for sure in this one. <laughs> which is probably the last thing anybody anticipated saying about this movie. Um, yeah. I, despite the fact that it's, it's two years later and they've all been in the same town and they haven't. <laughs> and no one noticed. recognizes them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what, what's the dude's name? Billy Ray? Is that it? Billy Ray. Billy Ray. Oh, when he's oh. macking on that blonde girl and he's like, I want to take you out, he takes her out to the Shamrock Bar and Grill. It's <laughs> oh. it, so green. Yeah. It's like, let's compare asses. I don't think your ass is as good as mine. Oh, that's so good. That oh, whole that scene, that I was hoping someone would bring that up. And it's great because he talks about that. And he, uh, and he see, at that point, he, he decides he's going to class it up too. And he forgoes sleeveless for fucking brown suede. <laughs> and... You know he's drinking Miller Lite because he's a classy guy like that, and and he yeah he gets he asks some stranger in the bar he's like, excuse me because we're having a debate you know she thinks her ass is better but I think mine is you know and and as soon as he gets up and he bends over and points to his ass I couldn't help but think of Aaron and and one of our favorite videos strut that ass <laughs> you won't be strutting that ass. <laughs> <laughs> Later, he takes her uh, out to, uh, I don't know, out in the middle of a field or something, and he's got a blanket on his hot rod. Like, I want to dub that the Georgia picnic. Oh, my God. That, that 
fucking they go out to go skinny dipping oh. at one point and oh, yeah. all she can do is strip off her clothes and go over by the bog that they're apparently gonna skinny dip <laughs> at and just splash around a bit and then he just he comes running out butt naked and it cuts yeah. away That's well it. it cuts away and they're fucking but they're both dry as hell so they didn't even bother skinny dipping they're just like oh we're naked let's fuck and so they just start yeah, screwing on the ground. he gets down yeah, uh, there's a you note. Know, that water's looking a bit swampy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, more ways than one. <laughs> uh, we've got like a no country for old men kind of vibe between William Smith and his deputy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> oh, that fucking deputy man. Oh man, yeah, that bitch need to lay off the moose, man. Her hair looked too wet all the time, man. She was, and she was like. She, it was weird because I think her motivation, sorry to cut you off, Jake, I think if she, I could almost envision her going to um, Farmer and saying, you know, how do you want me to approach this? And he was like, play it like you're a nine-year-old boy who's riding along with dad <laughs> while he works. Pew, pew. You know, because it, yeah, pew, pew, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I, I will say this about the movie in, in terms of what it does, right? I think it, because it, there's a turn that the movie makes, I think it, at least for me, I, it was a legitimate surprise. I did not think it would, it had that kind of a, and I don't mean this as a faint praise, the damnation thing. Um, <laughs> like I, I, I didn't think it was going to be as complex as it was, but yeah. Yeah. It, it surprised me because it didn't actually make any sense. Well, the beautiful thing <laughs> is like the movie actually leaves it up in the air as to who had the rocket launcher. Cause we only <laughs> see one character with it and we never see the, killer with the rocket launcher you know we just know there's there's that weird exposition scene of him playing with in his room like reminiscing about nom and the fact that he brought back a rocket launcher (laughs) with live rounds that's right (laughs) (laughs) because they they, this film does very much try to throw some red herrings at you oh yeah oh you know they got three they got the three the three principal suspects you know and art gary um billy ray and uh and the Zadar merchant character, or store shop, fucking, yeah. Yeah, and I just had a note about Blue's private investigation and that dude. That that was the shiny moment of acting in the movie. But, uh, yeah, that's all for my notes. Chris, you got anything? Well, we've covered most of them. So I'll start from the end, and I'll say that I was very surprised to see that this movie had an epilogue text roll. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my fucking the God. Alleviate our concerns. I, I was worried about Art Gary. Um, his, his good name being cleared. As to, the, as to the future of the rest of his entire fucking life. <laughs> and, and and we find out he's he's become, I think they say... He's he was elected sheriff by a landslide. By a landslide. <laughs> Wicked. Um, I'll, I'll say that they don't go half-assed as far as the soft porn element goes. There's yeah. no uh, there's no sort of boob cupping. It's full boob grappling. Nipple sucking. Like, <laughs> yeah, sucking. Yeah. He go. He actually goes almost down on her at one point <laughs> by the bog. <laughs> In the bog. Yeah, LP does not fuck around, man. He goes all well, out. He, he had money in the film, like, man. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing is, on when the credits roll, you see William Smith and Zadar's names plastered all over this thing. But mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a one day jobby for both those guys. Yeah. Like, 
Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> The thing, the thing that I love about William Smith is that he's in all these movies, but you can, he's always wearing the same costume. It's always <laughs> whatever they give him and him slapping a leather jacket over top yeah. of it. Yeah. Jacket, and he's 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 never fully committed. Like you can feel his well, pay me yeah. <laughs> every time. That's like Wings Hauser wears a pl- this fucking lumberjack jacket in a lot of his films too that i think he just brings to set <laughs> i love the pictures of r and smith and and fucking <laughs> um wingshauser just hanging out collecting paychecks getting shit <laughs> in their leather jackets and respective plaid jackets <laughs> uh, i we've got most of it covered <laughs> like, most uh, let's see. Yeah, we said we talk. Oh, <laughs> there's a point where they go on a uh, they go hang out. The the lead and Billy Ray go to the bar, and Billy Ray, the, the lead uh, Art can't quite get together what he wants to order. So uh, Billy Ray orders some of those fine <laughs> onion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then there's a point. Was that, a, where, was, that a, was that at the Green Shamrock as well? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And nice. Billy Ray, girlfriend, known like was her name Anne Marianne. Anne Marianne. Anne Marianne. I'll have to look that up. I don't know. <laughs> What's your name? She's like Anne Marianne. Marianne. <laughs> Put all the hillbilly names together, and and you'll be ultimate. <laughs> uh, I think that's about it. I, we most of it. Oh, okay. I, I, that Art kept the the house phone in his back pocket at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, just a couple of things. Is it our clotheslines that motherfucker? <laughs> Early on in the film, <laughs> before he gets felled by the pipe, mm-hmm. and you know, seriously, we do see how big a dude Zadar is at that point because he does. It's a nod, I think, to Maniac Cop. Like he picks the guy up off his feet, mm. and you can see when they're like kind of face to face. Zadar is a big dude. Okay. You know, he's not like no five nine, five ten. You know, mm. um, I think Art Gary before he becomes a, like a messenger. No, no, actually, I don't want to say that because it's not not true. Um, he, I think he drives a Pontiac 6000 on the film. <laughs> and then he switches over. Does, does he end up driving a pickup truck? I, or am I just imagining that? Uh, it might have just been the, the tow truck for the shop. That's about all I oh, remember. Yeah, yeah oh, he yeah, drove the tow truck most of the time. Yeah. Um, the intense piano that's playing over <laughs> the shower scene with the titties in the bush. That's pretty great. Like just, they turn it up a little, little bit. Um yeah. I feel like when they would show all the shots of Art's trailer, like it, it almost looked like it was a fucking matte painting at times. Yeah, it, it looked like yeah, it was like yeah. really stylized. Yeah, it just like, bizarre. Uh, I find a lot of these movies that weird that weird like VHS sort of uh, look to things. It makes everything look sort of painted and like almost like they do two separate shots and like matte them together or something like. Yeah. yeah, it always looks weird. Because that, like, when you just see the shot of the like the static shot of the trailer, it almost looks like it's from like 
like a fifties Martian invasion film or something <laughs> with that like, green light. Yeah, yeah. It's really bizarre. <laughs> um there's a great scene when when Smith and his deputy are driving around town and uh, they hear they hear some noises and uh, and I and I think uh, the the deputy uh, the deputy goes oh it's the quarry they're probably blasting and of course Smith turns to him one problem they haven't blasted used that quarry in seven years they used that quarry. They hightail it over there, and you know, they see what's what. But uh, I think there's a girl who misspells chicken when she's spelling <laughs> it out in this film, <laughs> and I don't know if that was intentional, <laughs> but it's pretty great. Um, what does this say? LP buys. LP buys a buys a love scare. I don't know what that even says. <laughs> Some fine ass onion LP. rings. That's what he yeah, buys. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad there's a guy in this they call Old Blue, and I'm glad that guy didn't have more lines <laughs> because in a film filled with uh, amateurs, Old Blue might have been the worst. Um, yeah, the back end of the film, people are getting beat with like it looks like you know maybe it's ABS or PVC, but it almost even looks as light as like like a foam hose. Like one of those, like one of those pool noodles. Yeah, like a pool noodle. That's exactly, or like pipe insulation. Just it just did not look very effective. But you know, I couldn't help but think of Dave Macklemore when when we see that sawed off come out from under the fucking kitchen sink. Yeah, yeah, that was a daisy of a sawed off too. That was kind of a dainty shotgun there. Yeah, man. Um, and what's great is you know our villain in the film. I won't spoil who it is. Um. They uh, they they decide they're not very smart when they bind their prisoners because they use fucking painter's tape to tape the wrists. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, doesn't really and, work. And the thing is, he's creepier before you find out he's a psycho than after you find out he's a psycho. No, like his yeah. acting before that is way sleazier and creepier <laughs> than when he finally reveals himself. And I like the reveal when he's like, <laughs> I did it because of this. <laughs> it's really great. And what's great is that that has the most timely, um, I don't, not that it's spoiling anything, but I'll just say two words. Daddy, daddy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, the, the spastic oh. movements while they're loading her into the fucking ambulance. <laughs> out of control that that ending like sequence is just preposterous oh it's the last 20 minutes is completely just off the fucking rails (laughs) (laughs) Um, but those those are all my notes we've we've we covered a lot of ground with this one so i guess uh, ad it's up to you man let's see what you got cool uh so make or break i wanted to go with the bad acting as my make (laughs) but uh (laughs) I just went with the southernness of the movie, like the country mm-hmm. songs and like the deep southern accents and the rednecks like really made this movie for me. <laughs> nice. uh, for an M- MVT, it was really hard to pick an MVT in a movie full of MVTs in my opinion. <laughs> so I'll I'll go with the heaven scene at the beginning because from <laughs> from that from that point on I was on board, so 
Nice. Uh, score, I'll give it a 6.75 out of 10. I was going to go 7 nice. just based on like pure enjoyment, but uh, <laughs> I think I'll go with the 6.75. This was a lot of fun. Um, actually, a lot more fun than I expected. And, uh, I'll probably watch this again at some point. Not anytime nice. soon, but one day. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. All right, uh, well, Jakey? Yeah. Um, make or break, that is... That's kind of tough. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the scene where he's... Uh, Eating the that can of beans with the with the <laughs> teaspoons in the background and, and talking to his wife. I think that kind of that that really cemented what this movie was going to be for me. So <laughs> I, I think the little bean eating scene does it for me. Um, <laughs> MVT. Um, I'm going to go for the. Uh, I think I'll go with the fashion of the movie. Nice. Um, whether it be you know the uh, the. Uh, over-the-shoulder boulder holder bra that's just barely dangling on the big titted trampoline lady, or just uh, Billy Ray Stiley's uh, Robert oh, Scar's yeah. sweatpants and sweatshirt <laughs> combination. I think that's what really did it for me. And you know what? I'm, I might be a Debbie Downer. I'm going to give this a four out of ten. But I think, I mean, shit. People have been listening to us talk about this for a really long time. Uh, relative to the quality of the movie, <laughs> so uh, I, let let my words be more indicative of uh, you know uh, how enjoyable the movie is. But I mean, there's something that there's something uh, about the movie that I just can't go above a four. <laughs> so yeah, four out of ten. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Chris, what do you got, man? Uh, my make or break's got to be the core, the quarry tramp scene, with the <laughs> rocket launcher. Uh, it's just, it's the most complete non sequitur of a scene uh, ever. Like it's complete. It's it's got Zadar in it too. In in one of the the minuscule moments he's in the movie, and it's the best the moment best moment he's in. And it, it's just it's complete nonsense. And uh. Uh, my MBT is, ah, uh, fuck, uh, <laughs> art. I like, I like the, nice. the relationship, the relationship between art and uh, Billy Ray. I'll say. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, romance. Yeah, the bromance <laughs> of it. It's, it's very dark of the sun. <laughs> 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 Billy Ray is very Jim Brown. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll score it. I'll score it similar to uh, Aaron. I'll, I'll say it's 6.5. <laughs> Everyone needs to watch it. Check it out. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Get drunk yeah, or it, high and watch it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> I will say it's a little longer, a little bit long in the tooth. It's an hour and oh, 45. Yeah. Is that? But it. But if you're if you're if you're picking up what Donald Farmer's putting down, then you know you're fine with it. But um, my make or break, I, I went with the kills. Um, it, it just yeah, really, you know, from the spray paint to the rocket launcher scene, really great. Uh, MVT is just kind of the roll up your sleeves and get to it mentality. <clears throat> this this certainly is not a pantheon film for me, um, but. I will always admire um, when low-budget films don't have a self-awareness or they don't filter themselves. Like they just they just go headfirst into the film they want to make without an air of pretentiousness or pause. 
So I admire that about Farmer and Company. My scores are six out of ten. Yeah. This is a really enjoyable film, though. It's, uh, you know, if, I mean, God, fuck, we've been talking about it for how long? You know, you've heard, <laughs> we've been laughing a lot. There's, there's there's a lot of fun to be had with this film because of that. But, uh, you know, it's... Uh, we'll yeah. say it gets a little boggy in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does get a bit boggy, a little bit soupy. In the middle, but... <laughs> you don't, you don't yeah. want to dive right in, but you can you can sink your fingers in. Yeah, you want to get bare, bare ass and... And prance, take off your sleeveless shirt and prance around bare ass. Flash that tram stamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, man. Talking about the, the late 90s. But, you know, so that's it. Uh, you hear uh, everything from a four to I'm glad AD loved it as much as he yeah. did. Man. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, but you heard it there. Uh, some, some pretty good praise uh, from the roundtable. So we're going to take a break and come back with a different film. From a different filmmaker. I wish Zadar and Hung worked together on a film. <laughs> right? Back. Each week, Mondo, Justin, and I bring you the projection booth, and we're two film writers discussing how each week films that we feel are underappreciated, under the radar, or simply misunderstood or forgotten. We bring you not only in-depth discussion, but also cutting-edge interviews with some of your favorite cult and genre filmmakers. So find us on Jackalope Radio FM 105, or iTunes, or over at projection-booth.com. Be sure to tune in each week, and remember, the projection booth knows the movies you like, even if you don't. John Brown, bring him down, pull his body to the ground, left him up for long enough, let me be the baby grub. John Brown, bring him down, pull his body to the ground. a film of a different kind as we'd said um this film i believe is from 1980 directed by uh gtmc podcast that honored humanity uh i would imagine death rattle uh and chris since he doesn't have a, a brand as it were um he's a, this guy's a favorite of all of ours uh, behind the camera and in front of the camera um, so yeah, we're gonna get into some Samo Hung the Victim. So Jake, you want to tell us what the Victim is about? Yes, and you can probably—it's it, known as the Victim, but if you look for you know random uh, releases for you, might see it as Lightning Kung Fu. But uh, this one's directed by our boy Samo Hung. Uh, it's not his first movie; he's made a couple before that. It, this one comes hot off the heels of uh, ah shit, uh, Spooky Encounters. I forget what what the actual title is. Um, oh, close yeah. Encounters. Yeah, I 
uh, this man has too many credits. I'm not going to try to find that. Um, now this one's this same, was in the middle. same year actually. Okay. Yeah, it was 1980, right? And this this was right in the middle of a really really good run for Samo too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, this one stars the man himself, of course. It's also got uh, Lung Karyan, who's affectionately referred to as Beardy. Um, let's see here. We got Fanny Wang, which is <laughs> that's a great name. Uh, we got Chang Yi. I believe I believe he's the main bad guy. Um, Wilson Tong plays the main bad guy's main student. Uh, action direction is by Sammo, of course, as well as being supported by Yuan Biao uh, and Lam Qingying and Billy Chan. So, uh, I mean, if that's and not Billy Chan is in front of the in front of the camera too. It should be said. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know if you said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and basic synopsis for this is, according to HK Cinemagic, uh, Chan Wing, a humorous character, uh, <laughs> is a martial arts lover wandering the countryside in search of a master. Uh, at the rescue of a blind man, Chan meets Lung, uh, a.k.a. Beardy, and decides to become his follower. I almost read that as lover. Um, <laughs> however, Lung is in a narrow escape with his wife as they are being constantly followed by Big Brother, played by Cheng Yi, uh, who wants Lung's wife for himself and will do whatever it takes to get just his het. What the? Okay. Um, even kill Lung, his adopted brother. So, uh, yeah, basically, you know, uh, Sam Hung's trying to uh, find himself a Sifu, and this Sifu has some uh, daddy issues. So, yeah. Good stuff. That's right. So yeah, um, like we said, this was, comes right in the middle of a real good run by Sammo um, when he had made some stuff that is really seminal. I mean, it's so important to the genre. People always talk about Shaw, and Shaw, Shaw Brothers deserve all the praise they get, but you know, let's not forget the Golden Harvest stuff and the work that Sammo did um, as well. So this one was one I had not seen before, but um, I did want to seek out based on you know the people involved with it uh, behind the camera in front of the camera. Um, now, I think this is the second Samo helmed film we've done on the show after Eastern Condors, if I remember correctly. You know, it's been almost five years, so if, if I, there's something else in there that we've covered. Forgive me for that. Sounds for right. that. But but um, yeah, um, one thing I do want to say about our boy Beardy is this. You know, he was very much a star. He's a favorite, of course, of all of ours. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But one thing I didn't know until I was uh, watching this film when I was just, you know, I wanted to bring up a few things or maybe look up some information was the fact that he was never trained uh, in mar- in any sort of martial arts. He <clears throat> was, uh, I believe, he was an actor, a theater trained actor who had some sort of athletic background, but he always worked very closely with the choreographers on the films to make the work he was doing on screen look convincing, which I think is pretty astounding. Yeah, Big man. time here, Sue. I, I think this is probably his most uh, accomplished martial arts performance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And when you see a film, uh, you know, because we always talk about, of course, being uh, martial arts movies fans, uh, how it's shot in Hong Kong um, versus how it's shot in America. Um, you know, in America, things are shot in close. But in this film, and very much of the, the time, these films, the, the, the martial arts are shot in a way that is going to show you everything on screen. So to have him right there in the middle of the camera, 
um, performing in, in a myriad of of scenes using a variety of weapons and uh, numbers as far as people he's he's fighting and stuff. It, again, it really is is pretty astounding. So I did want to kind of just get that out there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I gotta ask, it's something that shows up a lot. <clears throat> Ironically, it showed up on Dirty Ho and a few other films. Of very much films that take place in a certain period in uh, kung fu films, and that's the whole black dot kind of band-aid thing on forehead or on like on the bald head what what does that signify i always see that and i never yeah that, that's a big that's a big commonality that and the, the uh wart with the hair coming <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah the, the, those two are as as prevalent in hong kong films as black teeth are in japanese films with women so. yeah right which right. i know was was very much was very much a thing women were looked at as an object were more desirable when they had black teeth but i don't know what the yeah. the the reason is for the black dot kind of band-aid thing. Yeah, no clue. So I don't know. Um, so with Samo, you know, anytime you watch a Samo film, especially the ones he choreographs, yeah, I don't know to what extent he choreographed, but I, I know he was involved in, a, you know, pretty, you know, I think the principal choreography for the film. Mm-hmm. Um, you always get a sense of the stuff in his films. It has a certain level of kind of punishment. Like it just looks like it's it's harder hitting. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's it's an athletic, kind of visceral uh, choreography. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's kind of bridge between the old style and the new style, and I, I think that's a very nice marriage of the two. It, it it's definitely not a stilted or or it, uninteresting to look at. You know, it well, packs a punch. And to go with the uh, the the hairy wart and the uh, band aid, <laughs> Samo always ends up with a big puffy cheek. Yeah. <laughs> like he's always yeah. beat to shit by the last 15 20 minutes mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah he's not steven seagal or anything like that no, no. he takes a lick no he takes a whipping yeah he definitely does um yeah i mean just five minutes into the film we've already had two very admirable fight uh kung fu sequences we get mm-hmm. him fighting i can't remember the first one but then the second one he's using like a three-section staff oh it's fantastic yeah that's awesome really good because that really looks awesome. as impractical as it gets, but I mean, it, it makes for really awesome choreography because he's got a lot of strength to whip it around and make it seem like, <laughs> you know, not something that, you know, you're going to smack yourself in the face with. He, he makes it work. Looks good. Yeah. He, yeah, he does, man. It really yeah. does work quite well. Um, and I have to say, I've, I always think of Samo as the bodest man with the worst hair. <laughs> like, dude, you know, Samo always has like this kind of like quasi. Okay. Bowl cut slash Prince Valiant, <laughs> you know, depending on the film. You know, mm-hmm. now now he gets a bit more of like a like a rooster kind of pompadour thing. He's gotten older, and you know, he's got the facial hair and stuff. But yeah, um, man, fucking bad bad hair on Samo, man. I love him, but you know, <sighs> he, he needed to fire his stylist. That, that's not a that's not really a Samo thing. That's more of just a Chinese thing. Like. <laughs> I, I, I one of my, the grocery the grocery store that I frequent British Columbia to be fair is a is a very uh, oh, yeah. Chinese uh, there's there's a lot of Chinese people here and Tons, yeah. they they are firmly entrenched in that 80s like mullet <laughs> like big big top long back shaved sides like that is a thing 
Like when I, there's committed. my produce guy has the best mullet. Like it rivals <laughs> like Jean Claude Van Damme's soggy mullet. <laughs> it's crazy. Like he's the best. He's the coolest fucking guy. There's a guy in our local Chinatown. There's a great restaurant, and we call him Chinese Mel Gibson because he has like <laughs> he has the Mel Gibson lethal weapon mullet. And he's nice. charming, and he's lovable, and a lot of it is the mullet. It's it's a big piece of it. There you go, Samson. Very cool. We got to get a picture of one of these mullets and, and throw it on the group, man. <laughs> we got to see a mullet, whether it's covert or overt. You got to do it, man. I got to see the Chinese mullet. But you know, well, Jackie always had the feathered hair. You know, he was always mm-hmm. kind of feathery. Sam was more bulk up. But anyway, yeah, Jackie's hair always looked nice and soft. Yeah, it did, man. A little silky. Um, <laughs> this, you know, one thing I always like about, you know, and you brought it up, Jake, when you're talking about the choreography, is how I find that Samo tends to marry traditional, um, just in terms of themes and aesthetics, mm-hmm. with with more modern stuff. Like it, on the surface, if you were to read this plot and look at, outside of the name of the victim, like the other one, Lightning Kung Fu. I mean, that's as generic as it gets. But I always find he was able to meld. Um, traditional with contemporary or bridge those two worlds quite effectively. And I always wonder how much of it was um, abridging it for just the sake of, of appeasing everyone or if it was sort of a commentary on the old and ushering in the new. But I always find he, he does a very good job of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was coming around a time when a lot of our great choreographers that are still kicking it and out I mean, that's when they cut their teeth, you know, the Yin Wupings and Kuri Yuens of the world. I mean, that's when they really cut their teeth, and that's really shaped uh, modern choreography and how accomplished it is, um, you know, from the 80s into the 90s. Uh, that's really what it, where it uh, reached its high watermark, and you can see a lot of it starting around this era where things started to shift, and it just got more um, cinematic. It got more pleasing to watch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of times with, with Samuel films, more of an observation than a critique, although I think it... Uh, yeah, I'll say it, I'll, I'll leave it at that and say more of an observation than a critique. I find that a lot of times his films feel very much like a tale of two films. Mm. You know, they do feel very much like whether it's a tonal shift or the focal point of the film. Like in this one, the first bit is very kind of... Um, like a you know Sam was like this lovable kind of shaggy dog <laughs> right. looking for a sifu, and it gets very serious in the second half of the film. Like it's very slapsticky, and and I have to say, in all fairness, the comedy stuff is pretty great and it mm-hmm. is pretty well timed. Yeah, you know because when you get physically gifted people doing physical comedy, odds are it's going to work pretty well. Mm-hmm. Samo's Samo's very stoogy with his humor, but it's. It, he managed. There's there's a fine line with that stooge style physical Chinese comedy that yeah. I, I feel that he pulls off the best because a lot of that shit falls really flat in other movies, yeah. and yeah. because of the over cartoony facial expressions and really physical, like there's always someone being slapped in the face. Like there's a, there's always a pain, like a sort of sadomasochistic element to his humor mm-hmm. that always works for me. I like, I love, I love his fucking style of physical comedy because it's, it actually makes me laugh out loud. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it does. I will concede that I do think that he tends to do that a little bit better than Jackie with Mm -hmm. rubbing the bum and all that stuff. So, you know, we will get into maybe one day. I know know that, uh, Chris, you're more Samo, and I think uh, Jake and I are more Jackie. Yeah, for yeah. what it's worth, and and mm-hmm. you know I love both. I mean, you you can't go wrong. Fuck, it's you know. Yeah, it, and, and I think that I think that goes more towards like uh, Jackie's more of a stunt guy, and yes, more of a more choreographer of, guy. Absolutely, and and I realized, not to say I realized it, I I'd never given pause to compare and contrast in that way until I was watching this and thought, you know what, that's exactly what it is. It's that Jackie yeah. is more stunt based. Sam was more choreography based with the Kung Fu stuff. It's a little more on display. Um, well, and you look at anything like the, you know, the stunt driven Jackie stuff, like super cop and all that stuff. And then you look at something like petty Gra- pedicab driver. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's got that weird melodrama to it, but then the ending, like towards the end, it goes full on, oh. like violent, hardcore, <laughs> Like crazy choreography, like hard hitting, bloody, just hard hitting shit. It's, it's isn't, great. Isn't the the back end of that film is that like a mansion? Isn't it like a mansion or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a fantastic finale. Um, Once again, Samo ends up bruised and bloody. <laughs> oh, his face is swollen. He's looking like Zadar by the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right, man. Uh, very GGTMC. Uh, scene in this film there's a bathhouse oh yeah uh, with, with a lot of bare asses man reminded <laughs> me fact, of uh, Zatoichi and the uh, Festival of Fire one of my yeah. favorite Zatoichi scenes is uh, him fighting in a bathhouse with a bucket mm. over his jump <laughs> <laughs> very similar yeah, well that was I think the the, um, the gap has been bridged with these two films because LP bears his ass in, uh, in, in body shop or deadly memories. So it's a male bare ass in both films. Um, I thought, yeah, to talk about the comedy, the, the, the bathhouse stuff was pretty funny in this too, with, with a beardy kind of throwing Samo under the bus. He's trying to, you know, yeah. get him in shape at that point. Samo was never in ashamed of, uh, showing his body in yeah, his movies. No. It should He's be off. said, I'm sorry. Uh, it should, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, um, I just wanted to say that Beardy, I mean, I'm mostly familiar with this 80s output. I mean, the dude's been in 130 movies, um, but I, I, I thought he did a really good job with the comedy. I thought he had really natural uh, uh, timing in the movie. Yeah. yeah I thought he played I would well agree with that. He definitely did. Um, I have to say Beardy's wedding hat was Lopes' oh. everyday hat. <laughs> Those hey, golden feathers. Hat, man. <laughs> yeah, go, except for the golden feathers. I think Loaf's a little more discreet, but, you know. <laughs> Just a little. A um, little bit. Yeah. Uh, speaking of discreet, you know, um, we get a, a rather discreet jade eye patch. Oh, yes. In the film. <laughs> yes. So, you know, that's pretty good. It's, I've never seen a little jade discreet eye patch like that, so... Mm-hmm. That's and that's ballsy, goes. considering you're probably going to be kicked or punched in that very awkward <laughs> eye patch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth, man. Um, what else do we got here? Oh, there's a really great sequence with a piggyback involved. Like it's a, it's one of those scenes that you see in a lot of really high-end kung fu films where 
our principle is using another body almost um, as a dummy of sorts to, to channel whatever they want to do, whatever moves they're trying to do. And in this one, we get, again, to talk about Beardy, is the uh, the scene with his wife, like, he's piggybacking her and fighting it at, at one scene, and it's pretty fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see, like, influences of musicals and stuff like that on them, you know, and the choreography oh, yeah. and dancing and whatnot. And anytime they used forward momentum to to destroy their opponent, I always like that when oh, yeah. the opponent's attacking and they use the opponent's attack to, to as a way of basically fucking them up hardcore. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, stuff. no, it's good. Um, what else do we got? I'll try to cut it short because I know we got three more gents to get through this. Um, I, there's a really bizarre moment with. Uh, with Samuel dressed as a fucking vampire, <laughs> yes. which I love. I think a screenshot of that is pretty great. He's got like the traditional Dracula outfit on, including the teeth. And that bit works for me when the teeth fall out. And mm-hmm. even the comedic bit where, um, I can't remember the character's name. He's a character actor. He did a lot of films around the time um, where he shows up. He's like a cross-eyed assassin. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he goes. Samuel says to him, "You're doing it all wrong." And he goes, "Well, I've never killed myself before." And it's almost like this. That's my snappy, favorite line of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny because it's almost like this dry, like deadpan kind of dry wit British humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, it really, really, it really made me fucking chuckle. Uh, um, what else do we got here? Uh, always, you know, one of the tropes of the genre. Whenever there's going to be a blade, it's going to be. I think they like Kung Fu films rival Jali for the shiniest blades. <laughs> yeah, fucking blades always got like the light just bouncing off it, man. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember who this was now that I'm going to say this about, but Homeboy had one camouflage tooth. There's a moment when someone cat <laughs> someone cackles someone cackles in this film, and the rest of teeth yeah, they're a little buttery, but one tooth is fucking straight up camo, man. I can't well, if remember. anyone's cackling, it's it's Big Brother, man. He cackles yeah, yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It must have been. It must have been. Um, yeah, because uh, he's got a jade tooth to match his eye patch. That's right, man. Yeah, because it wasn't. Uh, wasn't Wilson Tong? I don't think he cackles very much. He's very kind of stern in this one. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, there was a twist that you know it, it ends up revealing itself again to be something else. Like uh, Samo, Samo does something near the back end of the film, and, and at first I was like, <gasps> <laughs> right. you know, you know. But of course it, it unfolds again. But um, at the time I was like, wow, that was you know kind of pretty surprising stuff. But uh, you know, I got to say, man. You know, these guys got to watch out. Knife doors will get you and your mama every time. <laughs> that you was be careful. harsh when that happened. Yeah. That was, you know, speaking of the violence that comes out of nowhere, I mean, the, how that happens and when it happens, I mean, fuck. You know? Yeah. Especially since, you know, it's at the culmination of something. It's like, oh, finally, and then, yeah. Yeah, no. Not quite. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. And the, la- the last note I have is, and I always say this when we watch, um, you know, good kung fu films, because let's face it, as fans, there's a lot of shit out there, man. There's a lot of stuff that's just, mm-hmm. it's a fucking, talk about bogs, man. It's just a dread to watch. It's <laughs> thick. It's 
soupy. It's no fun. Yeah. It's a slog to get through. You know, but, so when you see great kung fu, I don't know that anything impacts me as on a visceral level as much as great kung fu, where I get giddy and you start to see you see two real pros, and then shit speeds up, and they're matching each other, and it's it just elevates mm. so much, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just it's really fantastic. So well, that was kind of my last note. And and the fact that that uh, Samo defers to Beardy for the final fight. Like yeah. as an untrained combatant, and he mm-hmm. holds his own. Like he does one of the the more uh, impressive final fight scenes I've seen in a kung fu movie. Mm-hmm. A- yeah. As a guy who isn't a trained a trained fighter, like he he really does well in this. I, I was impressed and, because I I he, knew I knew going in that he's not he's not a fighter. And and he does well with with heavyweights. I mean, with the real mm-hmm. deal, mm-hmm. like with, yeah. with proper you know fucking you know guys so he he yeah. is he's called the master in this movie to, to mm-hmm. buy Samo. Mm-hmm. yeah and his form is on point i don't know if it's authentic at all i mean i'm not i'm no martial artist but it looked good i thought the form in this movie was you know really interesting and you know it definitely gave it a different look it wasn't all just you know tit for tat choreography and that's right stuff like that it was it was good to look at it felt like you were watching martial artists you know, the employing form and technique. Saw, the only time I saw a couple of chinks in his armor was the the solo trainee oh. section. <laughs> oh yeah, sure, sure. He's doing the solo stuff, the choreography. It looked a little bit sloppy, but mm-hmm. oh, you said chinks. Uh, I, I oh. wasn't was going to point that out. But I was aware of it. But I wasn't going to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can go next if nobody else wants to. Or yeah, yeah. Okay, do okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a lot of notes, so I'll just run through them real quick. Um, now, I'm reviewing this uh, from the perspective of someone uh, who doesn't really watch a lot of Hong Kong martial arts stuff. Uh, I do enjoy them, but it, it's just not like an area of film that I seek out. Um, I should probably <gasps> rectify that at some point. Yeah, I know, but... <laughs> You know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. N- now, I thought the comedy and like some of the more serious stuff, uh, just in my opinion, wasn't balanced very well. I mean, yeah, no, that's like, a Hong Kong yeah, thing, though. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it didn't ruin the movie for me by any means, but some of the transitions were a little jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one minute we get a lot of uh, like slapsticky action stuff, and the next there's like the serious revenge stuff going on. But, uh, I mean, I love uh, Samuel Huggins, and I quite like the other actor as well, but um, their odd couple relationship at times didn't completely work for me, but, you know, for the most part, I did like them. Um, but I will say, I thought both the comedy and the serious elements of the film on their own were really good, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I think that's a, the, one of the big gripes, Aaron, with that people have, and even I think all of us as Hong Kong fans, film fans, I think there's times where it's just too jarring and it's everything and the kitchen sink. And you have to kind of, um, you know, you have to get used to that with Hong Kong films because there's mm-hmm. films that if you think this film's kind of manic and all over the map, wait till you see some other stuff. It's it's yeah. seven or eight times more. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, and wow. I feel I feel that the the country that's got it down is uh, the North Korean cinema. Ooh. They do. They, their comedy is on point. 
point. Like they, North they, Korean? Yeah. Yeah. Or, sorry, sorry. So <laughs> I was going to say, whoa. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Kim Jong-il represent. Yeah. yeah un- unintentional comedy from North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> South Korea, their, their movies, that they do, they go for lowest common denominator a lot of the time. Yeah, they do. But, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like they have a better sense of subtle comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, Japanese yeah. sometimes, too. The Japanese tend to go a little darker than anyone else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Knowing they're nihilistic. But, uh, yeah, as far as the, the, the weird jarring stuff, that's a, it's just Asian cinema in general. And it's just a matter of your preference for, for which, which uh, area you like the best. Yeah, the mantra at the time, especially in Hong Kong, was you know the 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 audience wanted everything in their movies. Yeah, yeah. So they gave yeah, them everything. Yeah. And I, I think they've gotten better. I think they've oh, gotten yeah, for better. Sure. Oh, in, they in the they definitely years. have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely have. The things are more nuanced. They're more subtle uh, than they were. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah. always the always the really bad like handicap based no. stuff <laughs> they're so it, it's always cringe inducing when you get into that area yeah uh as far as the comedy there were a lot of great moments in this like uh the face-off between um sammo hung and the abbot at the beginning of the movie when they're oh, trading yeah. blows <laughs> and uh yeah. the abbot the abbot's reaction when he gets punched for the first time like that part almost had me in tears <laughs> it's like the uh yeah. the drunk bro duel where guys are just punching each other in the shoulder yeah. that's like the country yeah. version of that yeah yeah <laughs> that's beautiful yeah. now i thought this was a period film until i saw a lock on the door of the bathroom stall and uh, and Sammo Hung dressed up like Christopher Lee's version of Dracula. <laughs> it's like that that wasn't even a thing back then. You know? Yeah, they were breaking yeah. the fourth wall there. A yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that felt like he was full on on the uh, spooky encounters train, and he oh, yeah. maybe dragged that <laughs> element in there. Yeah. Um, I like that the feud between uh, Long and his brother started because of a childhood accident that caused uh, the evil brother to lose his eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, love I mean, the the fact that the evil brother, you know, had animosity all those years and went to the lengths that he did because of that, uh, you know, to, to get revenge is pretty amusing. Yeah, he was a you, shitty. You know, you you would think that he, you know, if he was a glass half full guy, he would have thought lose an eye, gain a jade eye patch. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was his downfall right there. A, a, a yeah. poor frame of mind. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Now, not only is there a twist ending, but there's a double twist, which I found yeah. really impressive. It was like uh, it was like Survivor Series '88 when Mr. Fuji <laughs> turned on Demolition <laughs> and, and joined the powers of pain. Yeah. <laughs> nice stitch back. <laughs> um, and my last note is, I think the showdown between uh, Lung and his brother um, is built up really well, and not only that, but. It builds up to an excellent payoff. I mean, there are a couple of times where um, throughout the movie, Lung had the opportunity to do something as far as, like, taking care of his brother, so to speak. Uh, but something would happen that would, like, delay, you know, the ev- inevitable showdown and prevent it from happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the meantime, he's, like, fighting the henchmen and the mini bosses while uh, Eye Patch watches from the sidelines. Um, it's It's basic good guy bad guy psychology but it's used really well in this movie mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's all i got okay um i'll i'll run through mine real quick um uh, let's see here yeah beardy he's he's looking handsome in this movie he's got his awesome beard but yeah i you know i i, I try to think of who he looked like try to you know bring a 
a GGT, GGTMC flavor to uh, looking at them, and I kind of saw them as the Chinese Gib brother that they never had. Nice, <laughs> nice. He had but, some but pretty brawnier. majestic hair. <laughs> and a good beard for a Hong yeah. Kong man, I gotta say. He's, yeah, no you know, wisp whatsoever. No wisp, that's right, man. Yeah. Bravo. And, and he's obviously fantastic, and, you know, Samo, like, you know, I think it's easy to for people to say he's, you know, like, like underrated, but kind of like Yuen Biao, he's just more, you know, for people that are more familiar with Jackie and Jet Li and all that, I think he's just more underseen. Yeah more than anything yeah. else because everyone that's familiar with these guys they think they're the shit loves them yeah yeah you're right i think it's more underseen but i think yeah i'll i'll leave it at that. i think you're right more people need to see their shit so then because mm-hmm. when they do they will appreciate it yeah and like you know uh i loaf commented on the facebook group you know he's gonna you know he's kind of regretting not being able to talk about how how much uh samo is better than so much better than Jackie. And, you know, when I started thinking about it, you know, when you break it down, it's hard for me to argue with that, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, direction and choreography and, you know, just basic acting, comedic timing, that sort of thing. Um, Definitely in terms of the fights. And, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like Jackie's way below Samo in terms of the comedy. I, I, oh, yeah. I find Jackie a lot of the time uh, pretty unbearable. And I think Samo's actually fucking funny, man. And he, always goes for the perfect freeze frame at the end of his, his comedy pieces. Like he, he nails freeze frames like no one else, man. The freeze frame at the end, uh, I've brought it up a bunch of times, but the freeze frame at the end of us uh, Encounters of the Spooky Kind is my favorite Hong Kong freeze frame. It's so good. Yeah, I think, I think just to, not to get into too much, I think that Jackie, sure. he swings and misses more with his comedic stuff, but I do find that there is stuff I find as funny where Samo is more economical and picks his spots better. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. pepper you ten times. He doesn't jab you ten yeah, times like Jackie yeah, does. Whereas uh, yeah, Samo will, you know. But but totally that that's valid. You know. Yeah, I, I think Jackie's real virtues, aside from his you know stunt work and everything, I think you know just the imagination that he brings to his movies and you know the the intangibles as uh, <laughs> NFL commentators like to harp on. But, um, yeah, all of them are fantastic. But, you know, Samo and UNBL, you know, they they just need to be seen more. And everyone that sees them, you know, loves them to death, as they should. Um, well, and I'm sure we can all agree that their 80s output, output across the board is just, it's amazing. It's the oh, best, yeah. it's oh. the best, some of the best action filmmaking of all time. It, it's, I, it's so much, there's just, just, you can feel the one upmanship as you're watching those movies of them, the competition of it. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's all spurred from their, their growing up in the Peking opera. And like, they just, they want to show each other how much they can th- accomplish and how fucking crazy they can go. I, I will say without peer eighties, Hong Kong, no one, no, you know, I think as film fans, we always talk about the commandos and the, the Stallone <laughs> movies and stuff. No, man. No one, no one, no one can touch Hong Kong output in the 80s for action. No one can touch Hong Kong, but like it's not even close. Yeah. No. Is everyone still there? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. You just cut out for a second. I got, I I panicked. (laughs) That's a rookie mistake. I apologize. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I I totally agree. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of a weird comparison, but in terms of, you know, an era that can't be replicated, it's much like, 
you know, America's output in the 70s and 70s. how singular yeah. it was. I mean, we're probably never going to have an era like that again. I don't think anybody's no. going to have an era like Hong Kong did in the 80s. No, it's just no and that, there's too many laws and like insurance <laughs> policies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that, and that's why I, I love the the Japanese cinema of the late '60s mm-hmm. to the late '70s, and then I feel like they kind of started to fall off, and then Hong Kong just went full bore craziness with, the, especially in terms of gangster stuff, which isn't to do with this, but you can feel like a I don't I wouldn't say a passing of the torch, but in terms of personal preference. I just like sure. it's it, it's it's equaled. I love you know the the Japanese cinema of that era, and then I feel it goes right into that's where their golden age is the eighties. No, totally, that, that's spot on. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the Shaw brothers, you know, they sent a lot of their directors over to Japan to learn, you know, modern cinematic techniques, and you can see techniques. a lot of what they learned leaking into you know what would eventually be seen as modern Hong Kong cinema. You know, it's definitely mm-hmm. a passing of the torch. Mm-hmm. And two, I mean, a lot of the Hong Kong filmmakers, like Choi Hawk, uh, etc., mm-hmm. I think Gringo Lam, they all went and they got training in New York and mm-hmm. Canada and stuff. So they they had a lot of Western and European influence. I mean, Choi Hawk, you see a lot of European fi- camera movement in his films, right? Yeah, so cinematic. Like they got cinematic. Them. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, let me see here. Yeah, I think like. Going back to the cross-eyed knife fighter, um, I, I, I think the movie's charm and its success with that is pretty emblematic in that scene because we've all seen scenes exactly like that in many movies, and it's just unbearable. But in this yeah. movie, the fact that it makes it work and makes it funny, and you know, I, I think that's uh, as glowing a praise as you can make on the movie in terms of you know just working on, on the comedic end, and you can see some really good. Uh, director flourishes in the movie. There's a moment where uh, there's a staff fight near the end where Beardy's just wrecking shit with the staff, and then the camera just pulls back and it shows these two swords clashing. And so it's it's setting up the next fight before ever cutting away, so it just feels more natural, flows better. It's not guys just hop into the frame with swords like, oh, now we're having a sword fight. You know, it felt... Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 was a, it was just a... Little bits like that definitely uh, add up to just a better film-going thing. You know, just uh, smart stuff. And uh, Other than that, I think we covered all, all my notes. Nice. Yep. Got anything, uh, Chris? Yeah, you covered most of mine. I can agree with you, uh, especially in terms of the, the the fights building up towards the conclusion. I think that's, that is a – it's sort of a – uh, an art in itself in that mm-hmm. you, you don't want to blow your load right out of the gate with an awesome yes. fight scene. I'll speak for and I find that Samo's films always do a good job of giving you a good one up front and then peppering in a few good ones. And then he crescendo. does it. Yeah. A true crescendo. And even within the fight scenes themselves, they build in terms of their viciousness like they they start out, you know, there's some good there's a lot of dodging and and dancing around each other and then they start fucking really going for it towards the end of those fight scenes and really start fucking each other up and that's when it gets, you know, they go for broke towards the end of those those fight scenes. Yeah, yeah there's an inverted torture rack uh towards the end that I appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, in terms of the uh 
naked steam bath massage parlor or whatever they're in there the uh i, I enjoyed the uh samo pp flick on the uh, <laughs> the two combatants <laughs> it was a, it was very uh it was very uh cur- it was a very curly of the three stooges moment <laughs> stab in the eye type of thing uh i i love beardy we've all brought up beardy he's awesome mm-hmm. um one my favorite uh film We've all talked about it. You you covered it on the show, Jake. Was a uh, uh, profile in anger. Oh my god! That that movie is Which just Aaron needs to see. Oh, oh my god! That's that, a yeah, movie. Aaron. Aaron, you will love that movie. That is very just talking about non sequiturs. What I brought up <laughs> earlier. That movie is a giant non sequitur of eightiesness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll check that one out. Nice. Um, I love Secret Killer. He's my one of my favorite cross-eyed secret knife guy. He's awesome. He's great. You brought up his line, you're doing it all wrong. Well, I've never killed myself before. <laughs> That's good. Um, I was genuinely, I was genuinely surprised by the twists toward the back end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that's about it. I I oh, and I loved Samo speaking English at, at one point. Yeah. <laughs> And that's it. Nice. Awesome. Excellent. So, okay, make or break. Um, what made it for me is the variety in the fights. I, you know, you talked about this, Chris, with Samo's ability to to build the fights to a crescendo. But I also, you know, I think that in tandem with that is the ability to use weapons and to uh, switch up the numbers of people in the fights and who's fighting who. And, mm-hmm. you know, because if you were to watch someone who wasn't an imaginative choreographer and i think that's maybe why it is important to have three or four guys working the choreography mm-hmm. if you get one guy who's not very imaginative but he is good technically things can get dull very quickly yeah you know so you have to have that diversity that variety to really help so that's what made it for me is the fight scenes that have as much variety as they do the mvt for me is the principles in the film uniformly you know everyone puts in a good turn um and uh beardy's wife and <laughs> not too shabby yeah yeah looking good looking good uh my score for the film is a 7.75 of 10 i don't think this is like a, a pantheon uh film you know or like the prodigal son or something but i do think it is a very very good kung fu film that you know people that hadn't seen a bunch of stuff would you know would they'd be well served to see right on right on cool I'll go next. Uh, my MVT. I was gonna go with the fight choreography because it's really good, but uh, I'm just gonna go with go with uh, Sammo Hung. I mean, for me, he really stole the show. Like every time he was on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, make or break. I'm gonna go with the last fight scene. Um, it's awesome, and it goes from goes on for like a really long time too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my score, like I don't have much of much of like a, a scale to go on because I haven't seen like a lot of especially like slapsticky uh, like comedy martial arts movies. So I'm gonna go with the seven out of ten. Nice, nice. Yep. All right. Um, make or break. Uh, shit. I think it has to be the uh, bathhouse scene. I think that that really set the tone for the movie and. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It set up the whole relationship between Beardy and Samo, and you know their kind of a uh, frosty relationship uh, through much of it. And yeah, I just the, I thought that was a great scene. The steam in the bathhouse <laughs> melted that ice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's when he kind of uh, let him kind of tag along and everything. Yeah. Oh, uh, 
let's see, MVT, uh, fuck it, I'll give it to Beardy. He's just awesome. Nice. You know, he's um, nice. he, he's just such a strong presence, whether it be in his acting, his comedic timing, just the the, the, the skill in the action scenes. He's just a, a, a real gem from that era. And uh, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Uh, nice. Yeah, with... When it comes to this era and when it comes to the movie, the kind of movie that it is, I think this is as good as you can reasonably expect outside of, you know, a transcendent movie. Mm-hmm. You know, if this movie's just going to be a good movie, I think this is as good as it can get. Uh, I yeah. hadn't seen this before, and I thought it was a lot of fun. I really appreciate watching it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I agree with Jake. Make or Breaks, this, the uh, massage parlor steam bath place uh like i said it reminded me a lot of the zatoichi uh festival of fire scene i I love anything with moist naked asian butts (laughs) man ass i'm sold (laughs) Um, i think this episode's a uh, true peer into your soul with the trampoline scene being your uh make or break and this being your (laughs) yeah yeah. Uh, Leather pant, white trash, women with their titties out. You get the yeah, spectrum, yeah. man, of of, yeah. of the Davies Rowan fetish spectrum. Man. Uh, MVT for me is the back end, the whole back end of the movie, all the twists, mm. the final fight scenes, all that stuff is great. I think it really starts to take take off in the second half. Um, and yeah, I'll give it a seven. I I, I would say if you're gonna start on Samo stuff, uh, go with. Close Encounters and Spooky Kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's my favorite Samuel movie. Uh, it's he perfectly does the the comedy and stuff in that, and the the choreography is really fun and great in that movie. But this one's no slouch either. Nice, very nice. So some good scores there across the board, which is good because uh, um, Chris, you'd not seen it before either, correct? No, no, no. Yeah, so that's cool. None of us had seen it then, so that was mm-hmm. good. You get four people in two films, and we hadn't seen any of them. So, excellent. So I don't have time for pleasantries, but I will. I want to say two things. Um, firstly, I'll talk about what we're covering next week. We're going to have a special guest on the show. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to work out schedules. Um, it's a Kickstarter show. It is our good friend, Neck. Back and forth, Whitaker's neck. Nice, nice. Yeah. So next going to be on the show, and we're going to be dropping some Martin Cove Steel Justice, <laughs> and uh, neck dressed up as Cove, the Steel Justice character, uh, for Halloween one year, and that's how the whole Steel Justice thing came about. Because I was oh, talking about it, and he's like, "Yeah, I dressed as him one year for Halloween," and you know. So we ended up talking about that. So we're covering that, and we're also bringing back the God, one of two. Mount Olympus kind of uh, types for us. We're going to bring back the Silva, and uh, we're going to bring back uh, well, how Neck got his name. We're going to get into go little ghost dog. Oh some man! Jarmish. Oh nice. So, the dynamite it should show. be. Yeah, it yeah, should that's be a my good show. Jarmish. Yeah, it's it's good. It's going to be good to talk some Jarmish because I'm a pretty big fan of his. Um, I haven't seen some of his early stuff, but I'll talk about that next week. But uh, so that's that. Um, like I said, no pleasantries. Check out all of our usual people. Um, I do want to give you guys a chance to talk about what you do, um, Jake. Uh, most people, if not everyone, would know what you do. But what is it uh, you do? Uh, yeah, I rec- I, who, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I have a show called Podcast with That Honor and Humanity. Uh, you can find it on iTunes. You can Google it, and you'll find the website. And um, yeah, mainly just cover Asian genre movies on the middle of a retrospective on Kirk Wong, who most people would know from uh, the big hit. <laughs> 
but he made some movies before that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so if you're interested in that, by all means, uh, check it out. Excellent. And, and Aaron, of course, uh, you've talked about what you do before, but if, in case anyone's tuning in for the first time, what do you do and where can they find you? Yeah, I blog over at the deathrattle.net, um, and I'm also, I guess, like the liaison or the middleman between the gentleman's guide and the blogosphere. Uh, I I uh, maintain the gentleman's guide blog, which you can find at the ggtmc.blogspot.com. And uh, yeah, that's it. Excellent, Chris. Where can people find you? Facebook with S and G. GGTMC death rattle I'm usually posting stuff that's awkward and <laughs> only funny to me and the select few well I, I gotta ask Chris before you go did your premonition come true did you shit yourself on air <laughs> no no I, I, no I managed to hit the toilet while we were nice <laughs> nice while we were recording awesome yeah. man yeah. nice <laughs> Okay, so uh, so that's the show. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, I mean, you guys did oh, some really. You. I had a fucking blast recording with you guys, and um, you know, uh, Jake, Aaron, you've been on the show before. You know, you're always great. Chris stepping in first time, great job. I I can't thank you guys enough. You know how much yeah. fun I had. So we got to do this again. Thank you so much for having me on. I, uh, you know, I've been listening for years and been on the Facebook group for a couple of years, and uh, this is a big honor for me to be on here. I. Uh, <laughs> I hope I wasn't too uh, off kilter for everyone. Oh, you were perfect. <laughs> yeah, bearable. As long as I'm bearable. I'm yeah, bearable. you're just bearable. bearable. Thanks. Rod, That's man. good. Rod, I like beardy. <laughs> so, yeah. That was that was good. No, thank you again, guys. It's it's been a been a slice. So. Oh, uh, it's a pleasure. That's it. There's there's one thing left to say, and uh, why don't we start with my fellow Canuck? Adios. 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 Get well soon, Sam. We love you, buddy. Yeah, get well, Sammy, for real, man. Get rid of those fucking blisters, and I'll say adios. (laughs) Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. You can call the gentleman at 206-666-5207. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 